What is up, all my Nexus family? It is your host, Dr. Daniel Kimberly. You are tuned into another episode of the Nexus Podcast. And on this week's episode of the podcast, I want to do something a little tiny bit different than I normally do. And on this week, what I want to do is share something with you that has been on my mind for a very long time. So if you're a client inside of our office, you know that many of you I have asked, what's your passion? What's your dream? If money didn't matter, what would you be doing? So I want to share a little bit of that for you if I haven't answered that question for you because I think it's super crucial. But before we get started, I got to ask you for a favor is I'm looking for people to help me make this happen. So if you get some value out of this episode, I want you to pay me for it. And here's how you're going to pay me. You're not going to give me money. You're not going to give me your time. You're not going to give me your energy. You can do something very simple. You're just going to share this with somebody who you think or know needs to hear it because I believe it is that important that we can truly change the world that we live in by this information and this content that I'm about to share, which is been a dream of mine. And the more I learn, the more research that comes out, this is proving time and time again to be true. So I want you to kick back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Nexus Podcast, where I talk all about a new paradigm for schooling within the United States of America. Hope you enjoy. All right, so before I dive too deep into talking about a paradigm for a new school in the United States of America, I got to say a couple of things. And number one, I have to say that I got to give a shout out to all of the teachers across the globe. Anybody who listens to this who's an educator, whether you're a homeschooler, whether you're in public school, whether you're in private school, whether you're an administrator at a school, I don't necessarily care where you're at, uh, but I have to give a shout out to you because one, I used to be in that system myself and I understand very distinctly how it is to be in those systems. And there's red tape and there's bureaucracy and sometimes, sometimes it makes it very, very difficult for you to do your jobs. And I just want you to know ahead of time is that before I share anything with you, that I see you if you're an educator, I feel you if you're an educator, and I truly believe that if you are a middle school teacher, you should be making minimum $250,000 a year. And if you're a high school teacher, you should be making at least $200,000 a year. And if you're an elementary school, you should be the same as a high school teachers making at least $200,000 a year. Because I believe that if we paid our teachers more, then we would have a completely different caliber of education and people who are coming to the table willing to educate our children. And I think that would make a lifetime of difference in the grand scheme of what I'm about to talk about today. So I got to say that I love you if you're an educator. I appreciate you. This is not an attack at you. It's not meant to be that. This is a paradigm for a new schooling system that I have in my head that I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, I'm super passionate about it and I want to start making it come to fruition. So like I said, if you know somebody who needs to hear this, if you know somebody who could benefit, who is on board from this, um, I would love to have a conversation with them. All my connection stuff is in the show notes. So with that said, let's dive in. Here's the problem is that the schooling system that we have today mostly teaches content, not skills. And if it's teaching skills, it's teaching a set of skills that are very content based. So for instance, memorizing where to put a comma in a sentence, knowing that period or an exclamation point goes at the end of a sentence or a question mark or whatever the case is, learning the difference between a preposition and an adjective or a preposition and a noun or an adverb and a pronoun or whatever it is and all these things that our students are taught to learn. But my question becomes is like, it does any of that content really, really matter, especially today in the technological world that we live in today. It's very, very easy to look things up on Google to get the right answer. And now there's some questions with this because there's confirmation bias with Google because of the way their algorithms are run. And the list could go on and on with that kind of thing. But here's what it gets down to is that if we are teaching our kids, instead of teaching them content, we are teaching them a set of skills, less skill, for instance, like being able to look for and identify the truth instead of believing everything that they see on Dr. Google, then we would have a different world. We would have kids living and thinking differently 
differently. And we're starting to see this. I just watched a documentary, The Social Dilemma. And one of the things that they talk about in there is that right now we're seeing witnessing the first generation of kids who had social media in middle school. And they don't know, we have no idea what the lasting ramifications for that are. And that's not the point of this episode. But I think what the point is, is that to talk about schools and that we're teaching content. We're not really teaching skills. And when we understand that there's a set of skills that make someone successful, then it's very easy to look at what's being taught in schools and say, this is not the right way. And again, this is not the fault of the teachers because the teachers have been told that they have to teach by the common core and it's a set of standards and it's all content-based. There's no skill. There's no, there's no way to measure. It's very difficult to measure how much willpower a kid has or how much curiosity a kid has or what their emotional IQ is. And so these are skills. These are soft skills. These are things that actually make someone successful. And yet, we are not teaching those things for the most part as a collective in the United States. And it shows because what do we have? We have one of the sickest generations ever. And the list could go on and on. You know, like there are people who, there's so many people who are just doing work without being passionate about what they do. And I truly believe, you don't have to agree that, with this, but I truly believe that every single person in the world could live out what they're passionate about, make money doing it. They would provide, be providing a better value to society and everyone as a result would be happier. But that only comes if we stop teaching content, we start teaching skills. And so the skills are crucial. Here's the other problem is that school, for the most part, some of the teachers are great. Some of the teachers I work with when I was a teacher are amazing. Is that the content is boring. It's super boring. Like you're being told to teach Shakespeare, but there's so much other cool stuff. Like the new way that we're teaching to do mathematics for most teachers in most schools, it's just boring to our kids. And so if they're bored, they're not going to be engaged. If they're not going to be engaged, they're definitely not going to get the content skills. And then they don't get the other soft skills on top of it. And so making the content engaging so that kids can build a set of skills doesn't matter about the content. I remember back when I was in high school, everybody always told me like, you're not going to have a calculator to carry around in your pocket all day. Yet now I have an iPhone that I carry every single day. Don't need a calculator anymore. It even goes into scientific calculator mode. So I literally don't need it, right? It's because we're not teaching things that are engaging and we're not up on the times for the most part. And there are teachers who are doing great at it. I'm not calling out the teachers. It's more of the common core and things like that. So I think that we, again, the problem is that it's boring. It's not engaging and we're not teaching skills. And then the last thing is that as we move into further into technology in schools, I am fully aware that it is unavoidable. I'm going to provide a solution for this at the end. But the problem is that anytime our kids are looking at blue light, if they're looking at a screen on a tablet or a screen on a laptop or a screen on their cell phone or they're watching TV or they're watching the projector or they're looking at the whiteboard or they're looking at the digital whiteboard or all the technologies that we use today in the classroom, it literally shuts off the part of the brain that's responsible for success. And if you don't believe me, go back a couple episodes in my podcast and listen to the one where I talk about blue light and its effect on the frontal cortex. It literally shuts down the prefrontal cortex, which is the same part of the cortex, by the way, that is responsible responsible for this set of soft skills that every single person can build. And if you don't believe that this is the case, then my question for you would be this. And this is a question that an economist James Heckman asked long ago. He said, why can we give a student a GED in two years, a a high school graduate equivalent in two years when we send our average kid to school for four years? And the answer is that because it has nothing to do with content, it has to do with the set of skills. And so if we teach these set of skills, maybe we could get every high school student through school in two years instead of four years. And anyway, that's a little side note. So here's the other problem is that, and now we're going to talk about a little bit of research, is that there's this thing 
called an ACE study. Okay, so the ACE study is super important. I actually had a new client last week bring this up to me, so I thought it was crucial to talk about it because I'm so passionate about this. And the ACE study, it says that children who experience more adverse childhood experiences, that's what ACE stands for, adverse childhood experiences, kids who experience more of those under the age of 18 they end up being less successful in life in a number of ways. And so let's just jump in and talk about real quick, what would be an adverse childhood experience? So the premise is this, of this study, and this is what they found, it's totally true. Um, This is what the CDC has done the research on since 1994. So this is not some brand new study. This study has been around forever. They continually update it and continually track the people that they've had inside of this study. And here's what we find. So first, I think it's important for you to understand is what is an adverse childhood experience? So the key to this is understanding that from conception, and I'm going to make the argument later that it's even from preconception. So before a child takes its first breath of life, before your child or your kiddo or your soon-to-be newborn takes their first breath of life, they are experiencing stress in some way. So that's what an adverse childhood experience is, is stress. Now, What are those stresses? Let me just run down the list of them for you. I'll share this link in the show notes so you can see exactly where I'm getting this stuff from. So adverse childhood experiences look like this. Physical abuse by a parent. Emotional abuse by a parent. Sexual abuse to a child by anyone. And again, these are kids under 18. Growing up with alcohol and or drug abuser in the household, experiencing someone in your household getting arrested, living with a family member who has a mental illness, domestic violence, a loss of a parent, moving multiple times, emotional neglect, or physical neglect. And so these are the examples of adverse childhood experiences. And if we just jumped into emotional neglect and physical neglect, like this doesn't even have anything to do with a, you know, socioeconomic status or how much money somebody makes is like, I know tons of people who, you know, they grew up in super rich households, but they're completely ignored by their parents. It's emotional neglect. And so what that is, is all of these things that I just listed out, there's stress on the system. And this is the problem. And the problem is, is that we can't stop any of those. Like no one is going to come into every household in the US and make sure that kids are not experiencing adverse childhood experiences. We can't stop any of them. So the question then becomes, what do we do? If we can't control the environment, then how do we prevent these kids from ever experiencing this stress? And this is the question I want to pose and I'll answer it at the end. But before I get there, I want to walk you through the studies and what they found in terms of this ACE study. So again, this started in 1994. It's still going today. So here's the findings from the study. And this is what they found. So I'm just going to give you a list of them again. So the findings from this study is that kiddos who experience four or more average childhood events that I just explained to you, they had an increased risk for smoking, alcohol, or drug abuse. They had increased risk for depression and suicide, poor rated self help health. So again, they're rating their health more poorly than someone who didn't have four or more adverse childhood experiences. They've had four or more, I'm sorry, 50 or more sexual partners. They have a greater likelihood of getting an STD. And then they have challenges with physical inactivity like obesity. And then here are some other follow-ups that they found from this, these same adverse childhood experiences study. There's more likelihood of suicide attempt. There's increased risk for broken bones. There's increased risk for heart disease. There's increased risk for lung disease, increased risk for liver disease, increased risk for multiple types of cancer. So what I'm saying is that if a kid experiences stress when they are under the age of 18 and they experience it on a regular basis, they are more likely to die, 
to get sick, to not be as healthy, to not be able to think for themselves, to not be as successful. And the problem is that most people don't even know that it's happening. And so what we have is we have a generation of kids who are growing up right now today who don't even know that they could be functioning at a higher level. And those are the same people that are going to lead this country one day. And it scares the hell out of me because when I watch and I see these families and these people who are so disconnected and there is a different way, there is a better way. And guess what? It doesn't have to be this way, but the problem is, is nobody knows the answer to it. Nobody's trying to do anything about it. What we're doing is we're doing all these studies and then we're saying, well, we're not really sure how to fix the stress. So let's just keep on measuring it and just say that like, Hey, here's what happened. So let's try and, um, let's try and do raise more awareness for, um, domestic abuse. So let's try and raise more awareness for sexual abuse. Awareness doesn't do anything. What we need to do is we need to not, we need to stop trying to change the environment that people live in. And we need to start allowing the person's body to adapt to the environment. I'm going to say that one more time because I think it's crucial to understand. We need to stop trying to change the environment that we live in and we need to start allowing our bodies to adapt more efficiently to the environment. This is, these are two totally different paradigms, totally different paradigms. And when you understand that the body has the power to heal itself, it becomes very clear that trying to eliminate stress inside of someone's life is nearly impossible. For all of my clients, I tell them, hey, I want you to be able to take on more stress. I want your kid to get pushed harder in school. I want your kid to be able to take on more and take the tougher classes and be around the tougher athletics and still thrive and kick everybody's butt because I know how the body actually can adapt in the right set of circumstances to its environment. And this is key to understanding. So this is the problem is that no one's addressing it, but here's the possibility. We could have completely different outcomes with these kids. Most of these things, heart disease, lung disease, liver disease, cancer, 95% of those are lifestyle induced. 95% are lifestyle induced. So what does this mean? This means that they're entirely preventable based on the lifestyle that someone is living. Different schools is another solution, another possibility. What if instead of having schools where we're teaching content, content, content to teach so kids can pass a test so that their scores look good so that they can go on to the next grade and so that schools can get more funding. What if instead of teaching content, what we were actually teaching is a set of skills, a set of skills where kids could think critically for themselves. They could have more willpower. They could have more determination. They knew what success looked like. They knew how they were going to get there. They could differentiate more efficiently between good versus bad and right versus wrong. And they had a higher emotional quotient and they had more empathy for the people around them. What would the world look like if we had schools that were teaching those kind of things and the content was secondary? So it didn't matter what content we were using to teach those skills as long as the kids had these set of skills by the, by the time they graduate high school. We would have a totally different outcomes for these kids. And here's the crucial piece of it is that if we had schools where chiropractic care was at the core of the curriculum, I totally believe that we can completely transform the health outcomes that we're finding inside of these adverse childhood experiences. And I would be willing to do a study if someone would help me with it 
where we took kids who had adverse childhood experiences, they had chiropractic care, and compared them with how they did in school, and then tracked them for a lifetime, versus how kiddos who had the same adverse childhood experiences, and how they did in school, and tracked them for a lifetime, and see what the difference is. And because I know for a fact, based on everything that we know, based on the neurosciences, that every time we do a chiropractic adjustment, it wakes up the prefrontal cortex, it turns off the stress response in the body, that stress response allows for the cortex to work more efficiently, it allows for greater cognitive processing, that allows for great, greater decision making, and that greater decision making is what ultimately is going to change the world, my friends. So passionate about this. What if we had a school where every kid was required to have chiropractic adjustments by a well-trained, highly certified chiropractor like myself, and then we also taught as a part of the curriculum meditation, and they were moving regularly. They had yoga, and we were teaching the skills that the frontal cortex likes and the frontal cortex needs, skills that would make someone successful, grit, willpower, determination, curiosity, emotional intelligence, all the things I've already listed multiple times. The possibility is that if we had a school like this, these outcomes of this heart disease, lung disease, uh, poor self-related health or rated, rated health, increase of alcoholism, drug abuse, increased depression and suicide attempts, all of this, th- these things we can mitigate, mitigate, not by changing the environment, not by changing the environment, not by even trying to change the environment, but by changing the internal environment that someone's body is functioning in. Because here's the path is that it starts with chiropractic care. Because when someone experiences a stress, like, for instance, physical abuse, the body releases a series of hormones called the stress hormones, adrenaline, cortisol, norepinephrine. These stress hormones are designed to increase heart rate, increase blood pressure, increase fear, anxiety, depression, increase cholesterol in the bloodstream, increase sugar in the bloodstream. The list could go on and on and on and on and on. And those hormones are designed to get us to one of two things, either get up and fight or run away from the threat. And the problem is, is that we have generations now of kids who are experiencing these stresses, these threats inside of their households, and they're never getting up and fighting, and they're never getting up and running away. And so the body goes into a protective, permanent stress state that the person, that the kiddo cannot feel. And this will be stuck on for the rest of their lives. And the most interesting part of this is that this can happen while a child is in utero, while they're developing, before they take their first breath of life. If mom is super stressed out, if she has an abusive husband, she has an alcoholic husband, if mom's looking for work or maybe a single mom or whatever the case may be, there's tons of stresses moving lots of times. All these stress hormones go to that little tiny developing baby. And when the baby is born, they're already primed to experience stress and they've already experienced these adverse childhood experiences before They even take their first breath of life. And so this is the interesting part is that in one of these studies, they lay out a paradigm, which I think fits perfectly with this chiropractic principle. And that is this, is that adverse childhood experiences disrupt neurodevelopment, the development of the neurological system of each person. Guess what chiropractic care works directly with the development of the neurological system of each person that we're working with. That is to say the brain and spinal cord. And here's the interesting part. We are supposed to get up and fight and run away when we have these stresses in our lives, even as a kid. However, most of the time we don't. We hide in our rooms. 
or we go to school and we try to pretend like everything's fine and we never fight and we never run away. And the brain goes into this protective state and the stress just keeps flowing through the system. That stress prevents neurodevelopment. I mean, when I say neurodevelopment, I mean brain development. And if the brain doesn't develop well, guess what happens? We have social, emotional, and cognitive impairment. So social impairment would mean being able to connect and communicate with other people. Emotional impairment, anxiety, depression, negative self-outlook, et cetera, et cetera. And then cognitive impairment, the ability to learn, the ability to have a set of skills that would allow you to be successful or a kid to be successful in the first place. And then if we have disrupted neurodevelopment and we're socially, emotionally, and cognitively impaired, then we're going to take on behaviors that are more risky to our health in the first place. And so we start to destroy our health. And as we start to destroy our health because we're making poor decisions, because we literally can't make good decisions, because the prefrontal cortex is turned off, because of the stress response that could have been on before a child is even born, then we have disease, disability, and social problems. And all of this leads to early death, or even more of what we see now is that it leads to just early sickness. So instead of having kids who are healthy and thriving, we have 52% of children in the United States today diagnosed with a chronic disease. 52%. What's that going to look like when they grow to be adults? Because they're not dying early. They are dying early, but we're keeping them alive, but they're sick longer. And there's a solution to all of this. And the schools that would have chiropractic care as the core would completely dominate any other school in the country. And I would put it up against anybody. If somebody's willing to go at this with me and be an administrator and help me run it and help me put it together, I'm totally down. I'll put it up against any school because I know for a fact that chiropractic care as a central integral part of the curriculum where we have people living an innate lifestyle where they're eating healthy and they're meditating and they're doing all the things that are um stimulating the prefrontal cortex of the brain, they're going to be more successful. They're literally going to express their superhuman power. And here's the best part about it is that every single one of us has that same potential. Every single one of us, regardless of where you come from, regardless of your skin color, regardless of how much money your parents made, regardless of how much money you make now, we all have an innate inborn potential to be ultra superhuman successful. And however you define success, it doesn't necessarily matter. This, my friends, is what I'm so passionate about. And as we see our country and our people get more divided and more divided, and people get more scared of each other, and there's less social interaction, and then they're going to adopt these risk-taking behaviors, and it's going to more lead to more disease and more social problems, and there's a way for it to be stopped. And it starts on an individual level with chiropractic care for each person. And I see this time and time again inside my office. My kid has aggression issues. My kid has anger issues. My kid doesn't want to look at or talk to anybody. He won't give anybody a hug. He won't speak to anybody. He doesn't want to go to school. He hates his teachers. He doesn't want to learn. And they start getting adjusted and guess what happens? He's so much more excited to go to school. He actually made his first friend. She's actually reading for the first time and she's actually enjoying being at school. And she's more active and she's more coordinated and she's just happier and her anxiety's gone and she's sleeping better. And all the things I see with all the kids and all the families that I take care of, this is so important. And this, my friends, is bottom line, how we change the world. And that is all I have for you. 
I want to ask, I'm going to ask you again. If you know somebody who needs to hear this episode, please share it up with them. I'm not charging you anything for it. That could be your payment. It's just to simply share this up with someone who needs to hear it. This is how we change the world. I'm ready to start my own school. I need a team behind me to do it. I don't necessarily know who those people are right now, but I'm on the track to doing it. I'm declaring it to the universe. I'm declaring it to my people who listen to this because I think it is super important. And you can tell by my voice and my energy and me getting out of breath that I am super, super passionate about this because I know in my heart, in my soul, this will change the community that I live in. And when I prove it to be true, it will change the world. I love every one of you. I appreciate you. Hope you have a fantastic week and we'll come at you live again next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to The Nexus Podcast with your host, Dr. Daniel Kimbley. If you're interested in receiving more information about optimizing your brain and nervous system, check out our website at www.nexusfamilychiropractic.com.